The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org. Well, good afternoon, folks. Great to see you. Well done. It's a bit of a chilly day outside, so well done for making the effort to be here. Fantastic. Now, um, I'm feeling fit and uh, five ready back to the forum, and I'm going to start with a rant on something I really hate. And that is emails. Anyone trying to join? Emails are a day in my life. I, I, I don't know what to do with them, they just keep breeding like a virus. And you can spend like half a day getting the inbox clear, and I have a couple of times this year, and then you wake up the next morning. And in our symbolic for some reason, someone wants to send an email and they, they think, well, let's CC seven or eight people. And then all those seven or eight people decide that they'll, speak, they'll send a reply, they CC, and then all of a sudden you've got like 50 emails. And I have to read 49 of them to know that I didn't need to know that. So I don't feel like when someone feel like life is so busy and you want to rush around and chase your tail, and, and how do you get life under control? Now, I've worked out that there's 10 different ways people can contact. Uh, you might want to do this exercise yourself, so here's, here's your list. My telephone, uh, sorry, my phone, my phone, SMS, email, Facebook, Twitter, I've got to do Instagram, that's one of those, via WhatsApp, WeChat, uh, you send me a paper letter at home, and occasionally someone comes to the front door. Now, that's 10 different ways. I don't even feel like life's just too much going on. How do you get life under control? Well, you can go and read the management books. So, uh, Stephen Covey wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Not only is he smart, I think he's good looking, but uh, <laughs> you can work that out. And so, what Mr. Covey says is what you need to do is organise your life into different quadrants and all the things you have to do, depending on whether they're urgent or not urgent, important or unimportant. Uh, if you live in quadrant one, the important and urgent, that's the stressful quadrant. Quadrant two is where the beautiful things happen. Well, it's important, but not urgent. And so you just basically organise your life that way and, oh, take control. Or you can go to uh, Wikipedia and Wiki How, or Teddy How, to get your life under control. In, well, how many was it? Uh, eight easy lessons. Here you go. Uh, you just go to that website, work your way down, define control, accept yourself, uh, consider your values, cultivate good character traits, decide what motivates you, create goals, get control of your emotions, let go of the baggage, and life's under control. So is it really? Alright. So many things in our life that we that we don't control. Yeah, one that's going to go to be lately. My son went on holidays about uh, a few weeks ago and he had two or three weeks. He went to London and then he went to France. And he was moving, going around France, sending his uh, the family a whole lot of pictures uh, on Viber of which particular French town he was in. You know those on the holidays and uh, you know, people wish you were here photos that they've seen. So he sent this one on July 13. Uh, just had two days in Nice. Uh, and I didn't particularly take much notice. So I don't get half the line where the towns were. And, and that's July 13. And then we were woken up last week, if you remember, it was several weeks ago, July 14, and that guy drove the truck along the boulevard of Nice. And that morning, my, uh, my daughter's on the phone saying, Where's Gareth? And is he alright? And, and then there's kind of a feathers fly 
similar to the one that we, that we can control, and it, it, it affects, you know, one of the stats I was surprised to find is that 14% of Australians, just one in six Australians, will have some kind of anxiety disorder across a 12-month period. One in six people will have enough anxiety in their life that will affect them. Some of the one in six visits to a GP is anxiety-related. And anxiety, as I thought, anxiety is all future-based. You might suffer in the present, but anxiety is about the future. And anxiety easily leads to frustration, that you can't get your own way, and frustration very quickly turns into anger. Anger is blocked gold, anger is not being in control. And so uh, for this, uh, this month at the forum, we're going to look at four hard truths that will set you free. Uh, I'm working from an article that's written by a man called Charles Pope uh, in the USA. He gave me permission. Uh, his original article was five hard truths that will set you free. But I'm not in control of the city ball from the speaking roster, so I can't cut them off. So life is hard, I'll let it down. So there's four hard truths. It's like a copy of this little article, double sided, it's brilliant. Uh, there's a free copy you can take on the, uh, on the table over there. Next week we'll, uh, we'll put the URL where you can look it up. Five hard truths that will set you free by Charles Pope. They look really like kind of think, oh, I really want to hear this. You're not in control, your life is not your own. No, sorry, your life is not about you. You're not that important and you're going to die. And yet, now it's great news, isn't it? That's great great. Uh, but when you understand, the Bible teaches those four truths. But when you actually understand what the Bible says about them, yes, they're true. But embracing them has got a really huge upside as well. And I'll show you today going into right in control and then what the upside of that is. And I think, well, there is some sense in which we control, isn't it? Think, well, what about success in our career or in a chosen field? If you, if you work hard, if you're gifted, you can be successful, yes? Well, yeah, I put to you that time and chance or just playing one of the draw has a lot more to do with success than we expect. Uh, 3,000 years ago, the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes, which is all about... Uh, Trying to find meaning or purpose, things that last in life. That's what King Solomon says uh, in Ecclesiastes. I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant, or favour to the learned, but time and chance happen to the Lord. So much of success is the luck of the draw. Now, when I think of that, the man that just jumps out as a perfect example of Stephen Bradbury. Can you remember that 2002 um, in the um, in the uh, Winter Olympics, the ice skating sprint race? He won a gold medal. In fact, he's famous all over Australia for that. But do you remember in the quarterfinals, the the favourite was disqualified, and so he got through the semis. In the semis, three other people fell over, so he got through the final. And then in the final. He was last, and the whole five or six guys in front of him, someone fell and wiped them all out. And he won the gold medal. Now that's why he's, and he's not, that's good, that's why he's going around and should going, yeah, he's going, Best outliers, the story of success. 
And what he meant by outliers is those who are um, super high performers, world's best at certain things. And he also a whole lot of different fields like uh, music, computing, business, sport, and looks at what's made people successful. And one thing he finds is pretty much whatever the field, to be world's best at something, you need to put in 10,000 hours of practice. Put that into kind of simple terms, 20 hours a week for 10 years. And that applies across music or computing or academia or sport. And yes, practice and hard work, but there's also a huge amount of chance, we won't even call it luck. Things have to line up, or you have to kind of walk into, into things by chance or luck to, to get to the top. He gives the example of Bill Gates. He said, so Bill Gates, yes, a clever man, but there were about nine different things that lined up for him, things that he couldn't control, that meant that he's the head of Microsoft today, access to a computer and uh, wealthy parents and the right schools and all of those things. If those things hadn't lined up, he wouldn't have been able to do his 10,000 hours to get to the top. Or he gives the example, someone with a propeller hat has worked out 75 richest people in history. So across centuries and hundreds of different countries, who are the 75 richest people? The point he makes out of that is 20% of those people, 14 of them, were born within one decade in one particular country. 14 of them were born in the 1830s. Anyone want to guess which country? 1830s in? Yeah, in the USA, exactly. Why? Because they were born at exactly the right time for the economic miracle that happened in the next 50, 60 years in the USA. If they were born a little bit earlier, they were too early for the way. If they were born a little bit later, they were too late for the way. And then, bang, exactly in that decade. And they didn't choose that. They just happened. It's just the luck of the draw. You can't control This is what he said. The lesson here is very simple, but it's striking how often it's overlooked. We are so caught in the midst of the best and brightest and self-made that we think outliers, the super high performers, spring naturally from the earth. We look at the young Bill Gates and marvel that our world allowed that 13-year-old to become fabulously, a fabulously successful entrepreneur. But that's the wrong lesson. Our world only allowed one 13-year-old unlimited access to a time-sharing terminal in 1968. If a million teenagers have been given the same opportunity, how many more Microsofts would we have today? You may think one's enough, but I'm just you said the point mate. It's that luck of the draw that we didn't control. Now, how much, if I can put it at a kind of ordinary level, my life, maybe your life, aren't there so many things in life that Super, de super decisive moments, things that affected our whole life that we didn't know at the time, that we didn't control. I'm sure you, I just think the other day, I go back to the, the year I finished high school, in 1976, a while ago now, 40 years ago, and I was upset to go to Macquarie University. Uh, I lived up in the bush, I'm going to go to Macquarie University. One conversation with my athletics coach, and he said, I am Macquarie, you know, and I'm in New South Wales, where you go to New South Wales. I ended up, ended up with what he said. I come from New College, there's 200 rooms. I ran them, I get a room beside Michael Bryson, another kid called Bryson Smith, who's a Christian, really impressed with his life, takes me on to campus Bible study, but here I am. 
Three years later, I go on to the State Library. I said it's from an acute Chinese girl doing the same essay as me. We get chatting, and there she is. Want to see it? Did I plan that? No. 35 years later, well, you know, you can't be time traffic. Well, she's done better with it than me, but there you go. No, no, you can see moments in your, as you look back, you can see moments in your life that affected your whole life, and yet you didn't know you couldn't have planned them, they weren't in your control. Now that's looking back. What about what about now or the future? Have you noticed, have you noticed that you can't control other people? You can't make other people do what you want, or if you do, things, things blow up. And especially it's hard with people that you love. And, and, and you love them, you care for them, and you want them to that. You can't make them do what you want. And if you make yourself responsible for making them do what you want, you, you're going to unravel emotionally. In fact, there's only one person on the planet that you can actually control, and that would be yourself. And that's hard enough, isn't it? Okay. And so it, it's learning not to make yourself responsible for things you can't control. And we live lives that are fragile. I don't know if you've ever had a tragedy in the family. I, I can remember 10 years old, I remember the phone ringing, I remember my mother picking up the phone and getting a message that her sister and uh, her sister's daughter had been killed in a car accident, and that's what, 47 years ago. I remember it very clearly. And so much of our life we can't control. Have a look. Let me show you what James, who was Jesus' brother, writes. Uh, Jesus' half-brother uh, writes in the New Testament in his letter. So James chapter four. Uh, it's inside your program if you want to follow it. This is what he says about control in life and our attitude and, and what's wise. He says, "Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money." So there's the, the planning, the strategy, we'll go here, we've got a business plan, one year, we've got the marketing together, we've got the product launch, all those things, they all planned. He says, why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. We plan, we make our plan, and then, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone next year. What's the wise way to live? Says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, I mean, meaning the Lord Jesus, if it's the Lord Jesus, if it's his will, we'll live or do this or that. So it's not wrong to plan. It's just, he's saying you're just dumb to leave God out of your plans. The right thing to do is to acknowledge the Lord is the one who controls the Lord. That's the to be humble in that way. If we can plan, uh, in fact, I, it, it kind of amuses me a little now that we have uh, computer-based calendars. You can plan a long way in advance. But the other day I thought I'd look forward to um, August 21, 17, <laughs> 100 years time, okay? And uh, for those of you who've worked for City Bible for us, Sophia and Russ and Lachlan, they're still starting to work. They're still starting on that day. Uh, Russ, what have I done? Very technology. Thanks. 
that is going to be God knows the details as well. In saying that, don't worry. God, God values you. Now this is to those who follow him. Those who, he's talking to his disciples, those who, who trust Jesus, who follow him. So it's alright. God, God knows. God will look after you. Now I don't want to reduce life to a, a bumper sticker, but a little bit of a cliche, but it's not bad. And that is, if you belong to Jesus, you may, not, you may not know what the future holds, but you can know the one who holds the future. You may not know what the future holds, but you can know the one who holds the future. And part of it is being able, part of finding peace, and that's what Jesus is talking about, finding peace and confidence, is being able to humble ourselves and admit that we're, we're not in control. That he's gone and we're not. So uh, Peter, Jesus' disciple, writes this in his first letter. So 1 Peter means the first letter that Peter wrote to the Christian people. He says this Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. See, the, the hard thing in a way is to humble yourself and admit that we're not God and he is. My, my I'm a bit of a control freak. I'm always trying to control things and get things organised and everything right and tell family members what to do and all that sort of thing, worrying about. And I have a wife who looks at me and says, Dear, the job of Jesus is already taken. He goes, Ah, yeah, thank you. It's code for, but you relax and spend. Uh, see the upside of that verse 7? Pass all your anxiety on him because you get. He's, he's God, we're not. You can leave things with him rather than worry about it. And one of the ways that Jesus teaches that is to learn to pray. To actually to, to pray to God who is in control rather than worry and get angry about what we can't control. I, uh, I'm an Anglican minister, as I went to Bible College, we thought about the Book of Common Prayer used in England, written And each day in, in the villages and the churches they would have prayer, morning prayer and evening prayer. And this is one of the prayers that they taught us. And I, if you're a follower of Jesus uh, or even thinking about that, old words but a beautiful prayer. Imagine praying this at night as you're about to sleep. Be present, O merciful God, and protect us through the silent hours of this night so that we who are weary by the changes and the chances of this fleeting world, may rest upon your eternal changelessness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What I'm saying is, it's because we realise we can't control things, to pray and to trust the one who can. And that will set you free. the balance of, of where I control things, uh, where God controls things, and where, where's my responsibility lie? Okay. So, did you guys hear that? Okay. Well, yeah, what's the balance? I suppose somewhere between like, I don't do anything in life's chaotic, and I don't make any plans or try and control anything versus I think I can control everything in every detail and I'm the master. Somewhere in there is the right. Let me take it back. I think James... Um, uh, I think what he 
freedom. And so the Bible gives you principles to operate in, and what it'll tend to do is to give you some um, positives and negatives, but a huge amount of freedom. So the greater that you, know, you can choose where you live, you can choose what job you take, you can choose what you do with your money, that's what I mean. But there are principles to guide that. And so you know that. The good thing to know is that I have to make these decisions. But Jesus is saying, in the end, God's, God's got it all under control. It will work out, and He can take your decisions and use them as He chooses. So there's freedom, but there's also a great level of confidence that God has it in control. And I think that would be the, the way the Bible sees decision making. Any other questions? Al, I do pray, but my anxiety remains. What am I doing wrong? That's a good question. A good question. So, um, why pray when you can worry? That's what the, the <laughs> sign is. I don't know, if you're, if you're a naturally anxious person, it's funny, even when we're recording this, huh? Um, with my kids, I go, some of my kids are just natural worries about things. And one of the others, he doesn't seem to worry about anything, any time. just doesn't worry. You get in, I won't say, who is, but you get in his car. I'll get one sign, I guess. You get, you get in his car, and it's always red line on empty, on petrol. He surprises around. <laughs> I guess he knows I'm going to fill it up, because I do. <laughs> anyway. uh, if you're a naturally anxious person, and you pray, and you're still anxious, don't that it between I think, what, I think what Jesus teaches is this. The more that you can embrace and understand the, the, the sovereignty of God, that's the Bible's word, but the so, that, that God is King, that it's all under control, He will care for you if you belong to Jesus. The more that you can embrace that, the more you find peace. And so as you read, for example, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is very gentle with His, with his disciples who worry. He says, it's all right, don't be afraid, it's okay. Or Matthew chapter 10 that we looked at. So now that guilt to anxiety, just try more and more to embrace the fact that it's under control, God's got it, He wants you to bring your anxieties to Him and relieve them. Um, so it's part of actually humility, and that is to humble yourself and admit that He's God, we are not, and so you can hand Him your anxieties. It, it's a hard lesson to learn, I'm still working on it, but I have more. mentioned that you're a bit of a control freak. Uh, how has living this out looked in your life? Uh, I'm, yes. Uh, we're, just, um, we're just going to um, stop the recording. If you're listening... The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.